the last chapter, Carl Jung introduced astrology as a potentially prophetic practice. The conjunctions of Jupiter and Saturn, for example, coincided with many important events in the history of Judeo-Christian tradition. In this chapter, Jung addresses one particular astrological prophecy by a man named Nostradamus, arguably the most famous astrologer of all time. I'm sure most of you have heard the name Nostradamus thrown about in your lifetime. For example, somebody might call you Nostradamus if you accurately predicted the winner of a sports match or the direction of the stock market. But beyond this, many people don't really know what Nostradamus is all about. Before we address the prophecy at the heart of this chapter, a little bit of history. Nostradamus was born in 1503 AD, right on the nodal point of 1500 AD mentioned in the last chapter. During his time alive, Nostradamus was a brilliant medical student, spending many years of his life as a successful wandering physician. He was widely known for his courageous treatment of plague victims, for example. His life of achievement was unfortunately complemented, for lack of a better word, by tragedy. The aforementioned plague wiped out everybody in his family, including his wife and two daughters. Despite this tragedy, he continued to fight against major outbreaks of the plague until he settled down in 1547. It was in this year that he began writing what he would be remembered for centuries later, his prophecies. In his most famous book, Le Prophétie, he wrote 942 prophecies. The contents of these prophecies were allegedly produced by astrological projection, by viewing conjunctions of planets and the movements of the heavens, and determining what the future held based on this. Jung believed that Nostradamus's projections were complemented by the same force that motivated Joachim of Flora in the last chapter. That would be the unconscious. This belief is backed up by biographers of Nostradamus, noting that he would be seized by a maddening fever and that the prophecies would be revealed by the subtle spirit of fire. He would then project the products of his various fevers onto the stars. Now, obviously, Nostradamus's prophecies should be taken with a huge grain of salt. His prophecies were often so obscure and unspecific that they could be molded to fit the actual events that came to pass. But having Having said this, there is one prophecy that Jung cites that nonetheless seems frighteningly accurate. The following prophecy was written in a letter to Henry II of France on June 27, 1558. Then the beginning of that year shall see a greater persecution against the Christian church than ever was in Africa, and it shall be in the year 1792 at which time everyone will think it a renovation of the age. And at that time, and in those countries, the infernal power shall rise against the church of Jesus Christ. This shall be the second Antichrist, which shall persecute the said church and its true vicar by means of the power of temporal kings, who through their ignorance shall be seduced by tongues more sharp than any sword in the hands of a madman. The persecution of the clergy shall have have its beginning in the power of the northern kings, joined by the eastern ones, and that persecution shall last eleven years, or a little less, at which time the chief northern king shall fail. To those of you who watched the last video and have a general knowledge of history, 
Nostradamus citing the year 1792 should send a chill up your spine. To those who don't know their history, it was around 1792 that the French Revolution occurred. Specifically, July 14, 1789 is when people tend to attribute the starting of the French Revolution, Bastille Day. When Jung tried to determine what might have motivated Nostradamus to give this date, he cites another French astrologer named Pierre Dailly, I think I'm pronouncing that right, whose works were based on the Persian Muslim astrologer Abu Masar. In Pierre's Concordantia, he noted that in the year 1789, a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn would occur, and with this conjunction, the Antichrist shall come with his law and his damnable sects. This deduction was based on work done by Albumasar in his Magnae Conjunctionis. Albumasar's astrological work noted a Saturn period ended in 11 BC. This lines up with what Jung observed in the last chapter about a major conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in 7 BC, supposedly predicting the birth of Jesus Christ. Albumasar went on to note that a revolution of Saturn would complete every 300 years, and with it would come a significant event. If you continuously add 300 years onto 11 BC, you eventually add up to the year 1789 AD. As we discussed in the last chapter, the Ion of Pisces, ranging from roughly 0 AD to 2000 AD, would be characterized by Christian and anti-Christian sentiments. During the first millennium, the Earth would fall under the first Christian fish of Pisces, and the other millennium would fall under the second anti-Christian fish of Pisces. The French Revolution fell well into the reign of the second fish. There were many anti-Christian acts and events that occurred around the time of the revolution, including the renaming of Notre Dame in Paris to the Temple of Reason in the year 1793. In that same year, on November 23rd, the Commune ordered all Christian churches in Paris closed. The anti-Christian events that occurred during the French Revolution complemented those that occurred during other anti-Christian periods, like the Reformation, the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, the emergence of science, and more. All of them fell under the reign of the second fish. Aside from Nostradamus' primary prediction of the French Revolution, there are two other elements to his prophecy that Jung noted. The first is the reference to northern kings and how it would be them that persecuted the clergy. Now, one could simply infer from this that France is in the northern hemisphere, but Jung introduces a whole new dimension to the notion of evil coming from the north. He cites several instances in religious history where the force of the unconscious descended upon prophets and stated that evil originates in the quote-unquote north. There is the case of the hostile brother gods, Horus and Set, from Egyptian tradition. Set, the evil brother, supposedly had his fiery abode in the north. Aside from this one non-Christian example, the other examples are primarily Christian. In the biblical story of Jeremiah, God said, the north is where disaster is boiling over for all who live in this land. In the biblical story of Isaiah, it is said that the devil would set his throne in the recesses of the north. In the biblical story of Ezekiel, the titular character had a divine vision of a powerful windstorm coming out of the north. In regards to Ezekiel's vision, the Anglo-Scottish theologian Adam Scotus, quote, imagined there was a dragon's head in the north from which all evil comes, from its mouth and snout, and emitted smoke of a triple nature. There was also a Benedictine monk named Rabinus Morris, who believed that the north wind signifies the devil as is evident from Job 26.7. He stretcheth out the north over the empty space, and hangeth the earth 
upon nothing. The final aspect of Nostradamus's prophecy is his mentioning of a second Antichrist. This is a strange utterance. As I stated before about Nostradamus's other prophecies, they are usually so obscure and undefined that they can be molded to fit past events. This trend continues with the prediction of a second Antichrist. Even Jung's speculations into the notion of a second Antichrist feel inconsistent. For example, while commenting on this prediction, Jung looks into the history of the Christian religion at people who were given the title Antichrist for their challenging of Christian doctrine. He cites the Roman Emperor Nero and the prophet Muhammad, but these two didn't fall under the eye of the second fish. One person who did, however, was the Protestant reformer Martin Luther, a man who rejected several teachings and practices of the Roman Catholic Church and was referred to by many as the Antichrist. Young cites him as a possible first Antichrist because of his possible relation to the second Antichrist, which Young explains with this sentence. We should not omit to mention in this connection how much capital the Nazis made out of the idea that Hitler was continuing and completing work of reformation, which Luther had left only half finished. To conclude, I would like to emphasize one important point about the contents of this chapter and all that has come before. Jung is not pointing to these astrological predictions as an expression of belief in their validity. He is not saying that Luther was the first Antichrist or that Hitler was the second Antichrist. He is not saying definitively that evil springs from the north or that Nostradamus's predictions were legitimate. What he has expressed a belief in is the existence of a collective unconscious, an autonomous unconscious, that works through each human being with the exact same laws of operation. What Jung is trying to identify are points throughout history where the unconscious has possessed significant historical figures, and supposedly revealed underlying facts not just about life and the universe, but about how the unconscious functions. The supposed facts he is trying to illustrate are the existence of good and evil as equivalent opposites and how that fact has manifested through our inner and outer realities. He is not saying that the events he lists are irrefutable proof of his thesis. He is just pointing to patterns he has observed. Whether or not the patterns he observes in religious tradition, in astrology, or psychology are real are for you to decide. Thank you all for watching. If you like this video, give it a like. If you want to see more content like this, make sure to subscribe. Also, if you like the work I'm doing here and want to support me, please consider donating to my Subscribestar campaign. It's a lot like Patreon, it's just without all the unethical business practices. Depending on how much you donate, you'll receive different rewards like access to movie nights, access to a private Minecraft server, my gamer tags, and much more. If you don't have the ability to donate, that's fine. Really, the best thing you can do to help me out is share this video around. Finally, if you want more discussion surrounding Ion, make sure to subscribe to Uberboyo and Jimmy Boyo. They provide a lot more insight into these concepts and find ways to make the subject less terrifying and much more fun. Until next time, just remember, stay yellow.